a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. Before we get to today's discussion, here is some genre-related news. The James Webb Space Telescope has reached its final position into orbit around a spot in space known as the Earth-Sun Lagrange Point 2. L2 is almost one million miles from Earth on the side of the planet opposite the Sun. Now in L2 orbit and cooling, telescope mirror alignment and calibration begin as temperatures fall within range and instruments are enabled. You can track the progress of the telescope via a link on the FF social media pages. And while you're there, if you haven't already, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We love to be liked and we like to be followed. Percy Jackson and the Olympians, based on the novel series by Rick Reardon, has been ordered to series at Disney+. Casting is underway now. The announcement was made by Reardon via a video message. The live-action series tells the story of a 12-year-old modern demigod who's coming to terms with his newfound supernatural powers. Two books from the series have previously been adapted into feature films, grossing over $400 million combined worldwide. Reardon will co-write the pilot. Spider-Man No Way Home reclaimed the number one spot at the domestic box office last week from Scream with a $14 million weekend. Entering its seventh week of release, the film has earned a whopping $724 million domestically and $1,694,000,000 worldwide. Somber anniversaries this week as January 27th marked 55 years since the fatal launch pad fire which killed the crew of Apollo 1 in 1967. And January 28th was 36 years since the crew of the space shuttle Challenger was lost in an explosion shortly after its liftoff in 1986. Minnie Mouse will be making a temporary switch to a blue pantsuit designed by Stella McCartney. This to celebrate 30 years of Disneyland's Paris Resort. Minnie will debut the blue tuxedo in Disney's Paris Entertainment Resort from March 2, 2022, where she will wear it in time for Women's History Month. And by the way, I found out that Minnie is short for Minerva. Miss Minerva Mouse, that fashion plate. And some news from the comics world this week is Marvel announced it will launch new titles this spring featuring both Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson as Captain America. Captain America, Symbol of Truth, starts in May. 
will focus on Sam and will be written by Toshi Onyabuchi with art by R.B. Silva, while Captain America Sentinel of Liberty in June focuses on Steve and will be written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing with art by Carmen Carnero. There will be a Issue Zero publishing in April to launch the titles and make clear to readers why having two Captain Americas is not contradictory. Or is that two Captains America? Lansing says, Issue Zero is effectively a conversation between Steve and Sam about what it means for both of them to be Captain America simultaneously. But that conversation isn't had in a room sitting down over beers. That conversation is had while flying, holding on to the side of a massive rocket heading into the sky to obliterate all of mankind because Arnim Zola is back and he's got a bad plan. Sam will be the publicly known Cap, the one people see as holding the title, so to speak. Onyabuchi says, one of the things I'm teasing in my book is, what does it mean for the rest of the world to accept a black Captain America. That's another part of the equation. If Captain America is in many ways a mimesis of America, with all the good and bad pathologies, what does that mean for the way in which America interacts with the rest of the world? While Sam is the public face of Cap, Steve will be looking inward. Kelly says, Steve is a member of the greatest generation. That's so important, especially now, because he's seen so much of the 20th century and he's really able to weigh it. With our story, what we really wanted to start looking at was how has America changed? What does it mean to be a patriot now? Because it means something very different even in the last two or three years. We've seen a radical shift in our country and especially for a lot of young people, a real fury and disappointment at what our country has started to do to itself. Sounds like some interesting reading. Space Entertainment Enterprise, or SEE, announced last week that it plans to build a space station module that contains a sports and entertainment arena, as well as a content studio by December of 2024. The module is intended to host films, television, music, and sports events, as well as artists, producers, and creatives who want to make content in the low-orbit microgravity environment. The facilities will enable development, production, recording, broadcasting, and live streaming of content. SEE intends to produce its own content and events in the module, as well as making it available to third parties. Axiom Space, who in January 2020 won NASA's approval to build a commercial component of the International Space Station, will undertake the construction of C-1. The module will dock on Axiom's commercial arm, named Axiom Station, which will also host other commercial ventures, including space tourism. Axiom Station will then separate from the ISS in 2028. The McGinn County School Board in Tennessee voted earlier this month to ban the use of Art Spiegelman's Pulitzer Prize winning graphic novel Mouse in its middle school classes. Mouse is about the Holocaust and was written and illustrated by Spiegelman based on interviews with his father, a Polish Jew and Holocaust survivor. 
The board claims their decision had nothing to do with the subject matter, citing the use of profane language and nudity in the work. Although it is noteworthy that the ban comes at a time when conservative leaders nationwide are pushing for greater control over the content of history and the manner in which that history is taught. And some sad news this week as former child actor Peter Robbins passed away on January 18th. He was best known to genre audiences as the voice of Charlie Brown in the Peanuts animated specials. He was 65. And uh, it's reported that uh, sadly Mr. Robbins took his own life. If you know of somebody who is struggling with mental health issues, uh, reach out, get them to get some help. This is so important, especially now. Today, we're talking about some of those stories as well as the recent revelations regarding Josh Whedon and the book of Boba Fett on Disney+. Joining me are Shireen Nicole, Drew Bittner, and Mike Lunsford. Welcome to the show, everybody. Well, hello. I'm sorry, come again, you guys? (laughs) Hello. Hi. There we go, all right. I knew you were in here somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, so before we kind of get into it, uh, I did want to, because I I felt as if uh, it was worthwhile uh, to just mention what's going on with Mouse in the uh, McGinn County School Board in Tennessee. Uh, Pretty shocking to have this fine work banned, don't you think? That groan is is the best way I can describe it because I'm so tired of having this conversation of anti-Semitism dressed up as, um, oh, well, we're just trying to protect the children. Like, I'm, I'm so sick of hearing it. I'm so tired of it. it, it it's, it's, it's so old. This is so ridiculous. And like every single time, like for whatever reason, America seems to think that it's okay that like that anti-Semitism is like the is one of the forms of racism that it's okay and nobody's really going to get mad at them if they do it. And like it's just it's so frustrating all the time to see this happen on a regular basis. But like they'll there's always an excuse. There's always an excuse. Oh well, this, oh it's not. No, no, no. This has nothing to do with with the Holocaust. This has to do with the fact that there was nudity in it and there's some bad words. Yeah, that likely story. Like I, I, I'm not hearing this. There's, there's nothing to hear. This is absolute and utter nonsense. Mm, okay, so you absolutely believe that it is straight up anti-Semitism. Yeah, and they, they will play it off like it's not. Like, oh well, you're, you're obviously sensitive to this subject, and there's no possible way that it is. Our concern is that there is nudity and that there is curse words and that there's um, bad language and there's all sorts of other things. Hey, cool. You know what else has that? The Bible. But, you know, <laughs> nobody's talking about that, are they? Like, it, it's nonsense. And like I said, it's it's one of those things where it's socially acceptable for people to make fun of, of Jews or, like, just crap on them on a regular basis. And it gets really, really, really old. I, I, I think there's something to that. I think that it's... I, I would add that it it's... In addition to the anti-Semitic angle of it, I think there's also a pro-fascism angle to it. There is a white supremacy angle to it. Um, It's it's no mistake that this book is 
you know, about about as bluntly critical of the Nazi philosophy as it could possibly be. And there's a lot of people out there in the world that that don't like that. They don't they don't like to have the actual truth of who the Nazis were shown to the world, and they'll do their best to squelch that. So, so I think it's I think there's that yeah there's probably some anti-Semitic angles to this. Sure, uh, I think at the same time there's probably a, a strong pro-fascism, pro-white supremacy angle to it. Yeah. A lot of a lot of what's happening is that books are being banned in various states for various reasons that all add up to people standing up for themselves or the erasure of history. So that's what we're talking about here, the erasure of accountability for from white supremacist ideas or even white first ideology or even um, white privilege where you have books like Dear Martin by Nick Stone that is also being threatened to be banned, right? So you see a kind of systemic attempt to quiet the accountability for the horrific things that this country and the world has done to other to religions that are not mainstream to BIPOC people to queer people it is happening across the board and it is a very big problem mm-hmm. yeah, I 100% agree and like to point to this as well uh, in Texas not too long ago they were upset that kids were being taught the Holocaust because they should be taught uh, both sides of the story. There is not a both sides to the story. That There's one side of what actually happened. And they're like, yeah, but we should be able to hear what other people think because some people believe that it didn't actually happen. And like the fact that that's even a conversation just shows, one, how horribly backwards our education, our public education system is in this country, but two, how easy it is for people to forget what do, what do we say all the time? Lest we forget, you know, in remembrance, lest we forget. And we did forget. We just blew right past it like it was nothing. Well, they're trying to erase it, aren't they? Yeah. Um, worse than forgetting is erasure so that something is obliterated, right? And and that's what we're dealing with. And that's what is horrifying because that means they're revving up to try to do these types of things again. And we should really make it clear that genocide is not an opinion. Mm. It, genocide is an atrocity. It is a horror. It's not an opinion. Nazism. It's not an opinion. It's not a stance. Agreed. It's, it's it is a the of... mass murder of of people to the point of genocide. Well, it's and it's, I do want to add to that. Sorry, Drew. Um, I wanted to add to that real quick too. Is so often people, um, and this is I need to make sure that I do this as well. So often it becomes a Jewish thing where it's like, oh, well, uh, the Holocaust Jews. No, it wasn't just the Jews. It was people of color. It was uh, people, um, the LGBTQ community. It was um, anybody of uh, gypsy heritage. It was basically anybody that wasn't of the Aryan race. So I want to make that clear too, that you're not just erasing one people's struggle. You're erasing countless, countless people who were destroyed in favor of this thing and it it just it keeps rearing its ugly head we fought this war you thought it was done no it turned out it just came over here and wiggled its way in very very insidiously to stay around for almost 100 years now and look at the timing yeah right well what do you mean shereen well there was just the anniversary or not the anniversary forgive me but the celebration 
mm-hmm. and Remembrance Day for for those lost in the Holocaust, not earlier lost, this for week. those murdered um, in the Holocaust yeah. earlier this week. And so the timing is... Well, uh, the only thing that I'm going to say, because I agree with everything that everybody said, the only thing that I'm going to say about this timing issue, because I've, I've, I've heard some other people talking about that, it was actually earlier this month on January 10th that the McGinn County School Board took this vote, which was uh, unanimous, by the way, 10 to nothing. Um, you know, so, but the reporting of this particular That's story. That's the same timing, though, Yuli. I mean, g- g- being a few weeks ahead is... <laughs> the American way to, of, of brainwashing people, but I know Drew had a point too. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there, there's a couple things to this, and I think Mike. Oh, kind of Drew, Drew, hold that thought one second. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA ninety six point seven FM and streaming via WERA FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Shireen Nicole, Mike Lunsford, and Drew Bittner. And Drew was just getting ready to make a point. Um, okay. I think that one thing that we can definitely agree on is that it's not a, it's not a mistake that fascism is resuming, that author- authoritarianism is, resu- is picking up speed now because the generation that recognized it and fought against it is dying off. You know, the people that experienced those horrors most directly and understood them best are gone. And so people born today who live in a world of, you know, relative comfort, softness, and everything else don't see the dangers here. And so it's easy to mislead and to stir up passions that are misguided because people are, they are bored, they are unchallenged, they have nothing in their lives except seeing the world going not the way they want it to go because they're not getting millions of dollars and being, becoming famous and so on. And so as a result, they are angry and a lot of that anger is being turned against other people because it's very, very easy to divide communities against each other. And the upshot for me is that, you know, this is, this is frankly part of a political attack on professions of expertise and knowledge and skill. Um, The people that are there to inform, enlighten, and uplift our society because they are threats to certain political and economic interests. And as a result, they're always going to be under attack. And it's up to us as a society to protect and defend them against, frankly, people that are the enemies of civilization. Well, you know, I, I see this as there, there are a couple of different uh, issues here. And uh, this twisted notion of the fairness doctrine uh, that uh, you mentioned, Mike, where, oh, let's look at both sides of this, where, um, or frequently, <laughs> this isn't something that the people who are uh, interested in controlling school curriculum and banning books want to hear about. I mean, you know, they don't really want to hear both sides. They're only interested in this other side when uh, the the one side that is currently in the forefront is not one with which they agree. So, but the influence of, uh, and, and I'll just, I mean, I got to say, you know, some of these right-wing people on the public education system 
is absolutely dangerous, and that's something that we're seeing right now all across the country. You know, particularly here in Virginia. Uh, you know, the the new governor was he was elected well, basically by two percentage points, but it was behind this whole. You should be able to have control over what your kids are learning in school. Well, uh, unfortunately, unless you happen to be uh, an education professional, I don't want parents setting the curriculum in our public schools. I I think that's extremely dangerous. And I I think that particularly any time and and okay, I don't. I don't exactly disagree, Mike, that it comes down to anti-Semitism, but I think that's a component of it, absolutely. And I think that there are a lot of people who see this as a way to exert some control over young minds and to indoctrinate people, because uh, Drew, a point you made about the rise of fascism, fascism used to be a viable a form of political government. I mean, you know, shoot, Italy, Germany, Romania, Yugoslavia. I mean, you see, the, the list went on and on. And then after World War II, it fell out of favor for obvious reasons. But it is absolutely making a comeback. And I think all of that, particularly taken together, and, and taking place in this country, of all places, I mean, even despite the inherent contradictions of our nation, uh, that sometimes are quite laughable uh, in terms of, well, you know, we, we had slavery and yet here we are fighting fascism in, in World War II. But, and there was segregation, uh, widespread segregation at the time. But um, I don't mean to hop up on my soapbox, but I'm, I was so upset when I read, you know, particularly because uh, Mouse is a beautiful creative work you know i mean the the nazis are cats and the jews are mice and you know the way that they it's in black and white uh you know the illustrations are really marvelous the story is put together wonderfully i didn't happen to know that spiegelman had done it based on these uh interviews with his father you know who had been a holocaust survivor but all of that is extremely relevant Mm. extremely relevant Mm -hmm. definitely so anyway, I mean that's uh, like I said that 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 that's just me. I, I didn't mean to I didn't mean to go off on a tangent. <laughs> but I'll, I'll I'll bring in something that that is off, you know may, may seem off, but I'll bring it back around. So trust me on this one a little bit. Uh, there's a there's a really interesting documentary on Netflix called Class Action Park, and it's all about the rise and fall of a an amusement park in New Jersey called Action Park, which mm-hmm. was basically um, the most psychotically misguided place imaginable. And, you know, run by a guy who was willing to try just about anything under the sun, even if it got kids hurt or killed. <laughs> and it did. Um, and, and yet, you know, try anything. Um, that was back in the 80s, and that was back in an age where parents were willing to let their kids just do pretty much anything because they just weren't watching the kids all the time. And ever since then, we've shifted into the opposite extreme, which is that parents are always watching, it seems like, always, you know, trying to find out, are my kids doing something dangerous? Are my kids doing something un- something unsafe? And there's got to be some sort of happy medium between the two. And I feel like this banning of mouse 
is in part an attempt to protect children from something that their parents think is dangerous or controversial or represents ideas that make them uncomfortable. And I think we should back off and let the kids find some things out for themselves. Mm. And, you know, sorry. Mm. I think um, I think Drew makes a really good point with that, too. And I, and I want to kind of like dovetail on that as well. All of those kids that grew up in the 80s, like me, who, you know, <laughs> got to basically just run the streets until the streetlights came on. Um, like, those are the parents now. Those are the people running the school board in Tennessee. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just like with anything else. It, it, it's Society kind of works on a pendulum system where we go one way, way too far, you know, kids not being monitored at all as both their parents work, you know, to provide and kids just run the streets to the other, to the inverse, to where we're at now. The term that they often use is the helicopter parent, the parent that's like constantly hovering over their child to make sure that every single facet of their life is controlled the way that they want it to be controlled. That's where we're at now. And it's hopefully going to swing back the other way and land somewhere in the middle where we're aware of these things. We're giving kids freedom so that they can grow, so that they can learn, so that they can, you know, form their own personalities, but also to making sure that we're giving them the right information and the right formative views, as opposed to I'm going to control everything that makes me uncomfortable. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a, it's a scary prospect right now. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it leaves children woefully unprepared to deal with life in any way. Yeah. And, and so it, there's nothing wrong with if you have a hard time dealing with any factor of life. There's nothing wrong with you. It's totally natural. But any child that we have a care for, we want them to have enough knowledge to be well, right? Mm-hmm. We want them to have enough knowledge not to harm themselves or others, right? And we also want them to have coping mechanisms to deal with the day-to-day curveballs that life inevitably is going to throw at them. When you remove all of those things, you have children who don't know how to move through the world. And when they don't know how to move through the world, they end up hurt or they end up hurting others. And that is something that I don't think these parents understand because they want to be comfortable. Well, comfortable is irresponsible. Mm, Comfortable is harmful. Yeah. You know, Um, so. Well, and I think also comfortable is actually an illusion. I mean, you know, you can have the best of intentions in terms of, oh, I, I don't want my kids to be uh, made uh, to, to suffer discomfort as a result of being exposed to this inform this particular information. But I mean, you know, there's stuff happening every day all over the place, uh, you know, e- even particularly in terms of interacting with their peers, uh, you know, where it, it it's just, it's an unreasonable sort of expectation to believe that you are going to be able to keep your children in a bubble and protect them from the rest of the world, and particularly from information or ideas that you deem to be threatening. That's well, the just other thing is, dry well. is that is that when you create that, right, your comfort in that type of situation when you're trying to obliterate history, your comfort comes at the risk of someone else's pain, right? Mm -hmm. So you're creating pain and hardship for someone else just so you can be 
comfortable and it's false comfort mm-hmm. and and that's that's pretty terrifying that's, yeah. I mean honestly though if you wanted to narrow down uh, the way white people manage history in the United States that's it in a nutshell because what is the lost cause narrative the lost cause narrative is, well, there's no way that my relatives who did these things, who grew up in the South, they couldn't have been bad. So obviously that's not the reason that they did this. It was because of uh, states' rights. Uh, and actually, no, slaves were, were treated well. Like, let, let's create this story because I don't want to feel guilty because mm-hmm. we weren't the bad guy. I can't believe – it's it's a very selfish mindset. It's a very, like, narcissistic mindset to think that you had to have been perfect throughout history and your ancestors had to be perfect throughout history because then there's no growth. Like you've never grown, you've never improved, you've always been perfect. And that's just, that's awful. (laughs) Master race. It is. And it's a pathology, right? Because it's a pathology because as Mike just said, you say the Holocaust didn't happen so that you can create this, this false idea or ideal ancestor so that you are actually taking a horror and 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 saying that it wasn't bad because your ancestors did it and they couldn't have been bad that's sick well it's it and i can i can speak to that personally because my family is from you know both the north and the south and my southern the southern half of my family you know we had plenty of people we had some people that were on the confederate side of that argument and at least one family member that very probably owned some slaves. And the thing is that, you know, you look back and it's like, I, I can't defend the actions of that ancestor or that distant relative. I, I can't. And the fact that, you know, other people can't get past that, I think is a big part of the problem. I, I, I agree strongly that it's like, you know, oh, I love my family. And this is saying I don't love my family by acknowledging they did something bad. I mean, objectively evil means I must not love them. And, you know, that's that's a ridiculous connection that, sh- that people feel that they have to make. And I feel like, you know, I can, I can acknowledge that members of my family did objectively awful things. They fought on the wrong side of a terrible war. And it doesn't mean that I don't care about my family. It just means that I can be honest with myself and with history and say that, yeah, they were human beings who did terrible things. They're still part of my family. So... You know, there's that. Yeah. There's, there's always that tension there. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I think at least for me, the other thing is the way that this plays into the false narrative of uh, the existence of a cancel culture. You know, is the other thing because uh, you know it's it's just it's not it's not reasonable. I mean, and on the one side, you've got people who want to suggest that uh, there's some sort of uh, culture police or uh, folks who are looking to check on political correctness at all time. And if you are deemed to be in violation of that, you know, then here's the radical left going to come along and they're going to cancel you. And whether it's uh, the name of your sports team or uh, the flag uh, of your uh, heritage, or whatever you know, it's like oh, these these rabid liberals—they're just going to come and they're going to take your stuff. I think that's a great bridge mm-hmm. for our next conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, 
I did that deliberately. But hey, that look at that segue. Yeah, <laughs> I ain't been doing. I ain't new at this. <laughs> so that musical cue means that it's time for us to take a short break. Of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA. 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. We're a community radio station, and among other things, that means that we are non-commercial. We rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriters, sponsors, and listeners like you for the totality of the operation of the radio station. Visit the website at WERA.FM or that of our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media at ArlingtonMedia.org. Find out how you can make your tax-deductible gift in support of community media today. But we're going to pause here for a moment to acknowledge our underwriters and to promote some of the other fine WERA shows coming up later this evening. But don't touch that dial because Shireen and Mike and Drew and I will be right back right after this. And welcome back to the Fantastic Forum here on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. Radio Arlington, I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Mike Lunsford, Drew Bittner, and Shireen Nicole. And when we took the break, we were talking a little bit about the McGinn County uh, School Board in Tennessee and how they have earlier this month voted to ban for the uh, middle school students the use of the graphic novel Mouse by Art Spiegelman, the Pulitzer Prize winning graphic novel, I might add. So, um, but moving right along because I had made this wonderful segue and talking about cancel culture and one of the interesting news items on which I reported uh, earlier in the show was Minnie Mouse and how Minnie Mouse is getting a pants suit. And it's not the first time Minnie Mouse has worn pants. Actually, on the Disney cruises, Minnie was dressed up like the captain and she wore pants there. But I, I, I mean, I just found out about this pants thing and was shocked because people lost their minds behind Minnie Mouse putting on a pair of pants. And uh, particularly... And I don't ordinarily give air to this person, but I'm going to say Candace Owens on Fox was like, she likened this thing to the fall of Western civilization. And I'm not exaggerating. This was basically what she said. Like it was some kind people of conspiracy. People still care what she says, though? Did people no, ever? No, never did. I'm, thank I'm, you. Really, I'm really surprised thank you. about that. <laughs> care, care being prepped too strong a word. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, I was going to say, after, after she was like, well, you know, if Hitler just focused on Germany, you know, he would have been fine. Um, did she say that? She did say that. And after she said that, I pretty much never listened to another word she ever had to say. So, and then tried to defend herself. She was like, well, if you were listening to what I said, you took it out of context. I was like, no, you don't get to talk about him and then try to play the context game. Mm -mm, no, it doesn't work like that. You Sorry. Know, I, I've been trying to figure, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about Candace Owens, but I've been trying to figure out for years whether she's trying to get paid or whether she really believes this nonsense, <laughs> I, and I can't tell. 
I, I mean, I'm, I, I can't tell. So isn't, anyway, isn't, isn't it sad when it gets to that point? <laughs> Indeed, it is. But it, it, the, the, the broader issue, though, is why is it a problem for Minnie Mouse to wear pants? I mean, it it's, a, it's, it's, a, thank you. There you go. Because it's, it's a, a beautiful a, pantsuit. Yeah, it's another, it's another one of those dog whistle things. Like she knows that if she makes a big deal about this, it'll incite the people that are lining her pockets. That's all of this is. Is she knows the things that upset the people who buy into her crap. Exactly. So that's it's why like, it, that's why it's an issue for her. It's like just ask ask yourself who's going to get upset about this, and how can they get you know spun up, and who will they give money to mm. to hear more garbage like this? And the answers are pretty much all the same all the time. And I keep thinking there's got to be a point at which these people just get tired of being so angry all the time, and apparently there isn't. So yeah. No, because they're America. What happened to America? Oh no, values. And it's it's all of this pseudo. It's like this pseudo morality mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. because they don't care about others. They don't care about goodness. You know, it's all just nonsense. Let many stage ripping. Leave her alone. <laughs> and and well, give the green Eminem her dang boots back. That that she looked good in her oh, boots. Oh, the Eminem thing. Let a woman thing. rock her boots if that's what she wants uh, to do. The, that was another controversy. The, uh, yeah, I mean, well, depending on whose news you listen to, or the same thing. I hadn't. I, yeah, I hadn't even thought about that in terms of what they're doing with the different color Eminems and you yeah, know, out there. yeah. people. I want y'all to understand. Yeah. They are out here killing folk, yes. right? Literally. People are getting away with murder. We've got, we've got, <laughs> we've got the attack on Asian folk, API folk. We've got all of these terrible things going on, right? Mm-hmm. All of these, absolutely. We've got women not being able to have a right to their own bodies happening. We've got a Supreme Court that is extremely politicized, right? Yep. And you worried about Minnie in a Stella McCarthy pad suit? Girl, sit down. Shut your mouth. Don't say another word because you're brainless. Like, no. It's Tucker Carlson, shut your mouth. We don't care that you want to bang an M&M. You're stupid. <laughs> it's just all ridiculous. We need to get education back in the schools. We need to get civics back in the schools. We need to let children read Mouse and Dear Martin, and we need to talk to them about it every day. You guys know, my mother let me listen to NWA. You know what she didn't do? Let me listen to it without context. Mm-hmm. She talked to me about what they were saying, why they were saying it, where it came from, and how I was to receive it or not to receive it. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. Made me a better person in understanding people, and also in understanding that I'm not your bitch. Okay? One, one thing we I think we need to do in this country just categorically across the board is dismantle the idea that questioning things is intrinsically wrong. That yeah, you know, there, there are some things you just don't question. You're like, no, that's not true. You can question everything. Everything in this country can and should be questioned because mm-hmm. how do we make it a better country? Do we just assume we're perfect as is? And a lot of people would say, yeah, we are perfect. And like, obviously we are not. Obviously we are a long, to- long way from perfect. Yeah, those are people who need to read books. Notice how the people who think America is perfect don't read books. <laughs> they're they're not educated. Well, yeah. it's it's not just, but it's not just them, Shreen. There's an, there's an entire there's an entire apparatus, an entire machine behind them that benefits yeah, politically see, they're, and economically. They're using that. 
Well, yeah, but mm-hmm. the things they, but they, they use, using that, Drew. they use these people as dupes to get the votes and the support that they think they need to, to enact their agenda. But the fact is that the people that are pushing this aren't stupid and they're not uneducated. No. They're, they're just pushing. They're, no, they're no. not the uneducated. They're using those folks yeah. and yeah. they're pushing those ideologies. You got two factions there. Well, sure. And that's what a lot of folks don't understand. You've got people in Kentucky who continue to vote for Mitch McConnell while they become poorer and less educated with less health care every year voting, of course. voting against their own self-interest yeah. because, thank you for pointing that out because mm-hmm. edu- because voting as we've seen is not a rational process it is an emotional process you vote for someone you like versus someone you think might do a better job most people don't vote based on who they think is a better candidate yeah that that's pretty consistent regardless of uh, which party you identify with yeah yeah, that's, and, yeah, and and I have had people say that they could not vote for Hillary, even though they knew what Trump was. They couldn't vote for Hillary because they didn't like her. It's madness. I it's, can't stand that ideology. Yeah. It's insane. I, it, yeah. What makes it worse too is that like we talk about how the people who are implementing all of this are intelligent. They're not stupid, but what they're doing is is they're making the people who are voting for them and supporting them dumber. Every single generation gets dumber and less informed because they're doing exactly – this is all part of a playbook. Sure. Tell them that the media is wrong. Tell yeah. them the media is lying. There was a, there was a TikTok – Remove their education. There was a TikTok video I saw the other day, and it was from an interview with Barbara Walters and Donald Trump from the early 90s where Trump tried to pull that the media – is false. The media is lying nonsense. And Barbara Walters, God bless her soul, shut him down. Like, and now you wouldn't be able to do that because he's gained steam. He has been playing the same fiddle since then. And like, I was watching an old episode of The Critic, that John Lovett's cartoon (laughs) from the early 90s. And they make a joke about Trump being bankrupt and how Trump Tower is in foreclosure. Everybody knew that he was a con artist. Everybody knew that he was a fraud. But again, he reinvented himself. He used the media to market himself in a, that Apprentice show uh, and Mark rebranded Burnett himself. Re- Mark Burnett reinvented himself. Mark Burnett yeah. did yeah. that. I always say yeah. Mark Burnett screwed us. Yes, you but, did. But, but beyond that, he was a, he was a tool yeah. that could be used to get people revved up because people believed that character they saw in The, the Apprentice. Yep. They believed in this smart businessman, this benevolent guy who was going to teach us how to be better. And, and, and people really took to that. That shows you the power of storytelling. When people say it's just a TV show, it's just a book. There's power in storytelling, and that's why the education is so important. To Mike's point, every generation has had more education, more health care, and things like that removed. And that's why you're more able to make them vote against themselves. And even like yeah. to make it even like to tie it into another recent story, um, perfect example is you, you're, you're not seeing the misdirection that's going on. There was that bridge collapse in Pittsburgh uh, this week. And everybody is like, well, I don't understand. I don't understand how this can happen. Uh, didn't Obama put in place a uh, transportation bill that would have given them money? Yes, he did. But he it's tried. this it's the state's right to put the money into place and uh, like to, to allocate the money however they, it is that they see fit. Since they got that money, the state of Pennsylvania has reallocated their uh, money from the Department of Transportation to fix things like bridges into their police force. I was billions just about to say, billions we're getting of robot dollars. police dogs instead yeah, of, of exactly. better bridges and then we people gotta, die. Yep. You gotta have that. No, it's important. You gotta have robot police dogs. That's super important. Bridges? No, who cares about the bridges? Like, 
it's it's all happening right in front of our face, but none of us are paying attention to it because well, again, it's all this mystery. Mm-hmm. Hey, w- something well, this, that will. Uh, okay, two things. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on <laughs> WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Drew Bittner and Shireen Nicole and Mike Lunsford. Um, Shireen, you were going to say something, and then there was a point that I had wanted to make about okay. uh, what everybody was saying. But please, Shireen. I'll keep it succinct. The problem with American government is this. We are reactionary. We're not preventative. Americans don't believe in, in, in putting anything into preventing things. We only believe in reacting when a bridge falls down, right? But we just fix the bridge. We don't fix the system around it, right? What's happening now is you've got government officials who tell you when the bridge falls down, not only do they tell you it wasn't their fault, but they tell you it was somebody else's fault. Well, they're, they're eager to blame the last administration. They're like, oh, these guys stole the money and misspent it and put it into other things. And, you know, they, that, that's, why they, that's why we put them out of office, because they're terrible, terrible people. Exactly. Like, and by the time you get out of that misinformation whirlwind, nothing has gotten fixed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but the police have got new police dogs and somehow tanks. Uh, yeah, and apparently robot police Robo dogs. Robo-police dogs, yeah, that's what that. I meant. They've gotten <laughs> robot police dogs and apparently tanks. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, And it's just funny that like the pe- the same people who are screaming about cancel culture and how bad cancel culture are the ones who are on the school board in Tennessee canceling mouse. Yeah, of well, and, and that's one of the contradictions. But this is, as from my perspective, this is the inherent problem with all of this because one of the obligations of citizenship in the United States of America is to remain well informed and you need to educate yourself (laughs) about the candidates and about the various issues and I mean this is civics 101 basically yeah it really is and 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 that's the problem because we have not as Americans we have not honored our obligations as citizens and this is the result. Uh, folks, I, this really is a show about comic books. <laughs> because you know, you know who was complaining? You know who was complaining a whole lot about being canceled? Joss Whedon. Uh, ah! Ah! <laughs> Press the eject button, children. I love this guy in a very platonic way. Looping <laughs> it, it back around. <laughs> Well, and, uh, you know, which there's been scuttlebutt about this for many years, and Charisma Carpenter about had her career ruined when she apparently acknowledged uh, a bunch of this stuff, and, and, but, and yet now this stuff is coming out, and it's like, oh, wow, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, oh, you mean all of that was true? Well, I mean, you know, um, well. the, the, the guy that played Cyborg. He, his career is yeah been, Ray Fisher yeah, his, yeah he, he's, he's another one his career's been in the in the in the tank crapper yeah. yes well you know when you when you're Josh Whedon and because after the Avengers that's a billion dollar movie yeah you know you you, you that's what I was gonna say America mm-hmm. protects men who make it money that's yeah. true that's mm-hmm. true they do especially if they happen to be white men and and the problem is that he very easily could have put this behind him by acknowledging what he had done. You know, going into counseling for it, the the old dodge of like, you know, admit, acknowledge, apologize, go into counseling, go Mm. into therapy, come back, 
play contrite and just go back to what you were doing. It, it takes like he was not interested in it, contrition at no, all. No, it's like <laughs> have it, you read this article <laughs> from, was, from New York Magazine? This, yeah. this dude had the nerve to say, "Not only was I a good showrunner, I'm probably the nicest showrunner." Well, I, like he he literally was patting himself on the back. Like it 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 was I. Short of like somebody saying to you, hey, you need to be more respectful of women and the person turning around and saying, what? I like dames and broads. Like this is how tone deaf this was. This this was it the was... most disrespectful thing I've ever read. I was yeah. I was literally like I, I literally had to throw my phone down. I was like, you got to be effing kidding me. And yeah, I like, walked away. I was so like, mad. Like that skirt don't know her place. <laughs> the yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. It was calculated gaslighting and revision. He kept going to the quote Lou which I will never say again, even though I am actually half British. He kept going to the quote Lou so that he could rewrite what the what the interviewer well, was asking it's, him it's because also, he was doing live revisions. It's also a year after the accusations. He literally had a year to come up with this, and this was the best he could do. Oh, and, and, Everything and going, was, what, I didn't do it. You could hear Shaggy playing in the back. It wasn't me. <laughs> and, and and going to the going to the restroom is also a tool for breaking the interviewer's momentum. Yes, you know it's it's a way of stopping things cold, mm. and then you have to start up again. And by then, you're, the interviewer's like, "Well, okay, where was I?" And then, "Oh, we were talking about." And like, "Yeah, but that's old news. Let's let's move on." Mm. And then he weaponized PTSD by saying it was a tool that he had been taught by someone that when he felt uncomfortable he should go to the bathroom which is hey everybody feel sorry for me he's not I felt here. like a, the man said i felt like i had to 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 predator to be a predator to these women i felt like i had to and we're supposed to go oh poor you the man is unwell, and he is—he has done so much harm to so many people. And that article was was him singing it out. Mm. And and what is deeply troubling is that the writer tried to be as objective as possible, and it still was so damning to this dude because this is how horrible he is. He still came off like Colonel Jessup on the witness chair, you know, in the in the, in the courtroom oh, scene. My God. <laughs> yeah, it was mortifying. Yeah, it was it was absolutely awful. And any person who has ever had to deal with a narcissist in their life, or who has been gaslit, or who has ever had to deal with this sort of abuse, like I almost wanted to tell people, don't read this article because it is it's going to trigger you because it is that bad. Like it was, it read so smarmy and smug, like. And, it, and honestly, like it, it disgusted me to the point that there are so many people that have like just revered him and put him up on this pedestal. Oh, Joss can do no wrong. Firefly is great. Buffy's amazing. He saved the Avengers. Like just for a second, and I swear to God, I'll stop. <laughs> just for a second, watch Avengers two, watch Avengers: Age of Ultron, and watch that scene with with um, Banner and Black Widow at the um, Barton Estate. Watch that scene where they're talking, and tell me that that's not Joss Whedon. Everything basically, is Joss Whedon. Basically, yeah. basically, him standing in that role of 
Bruce Banner. Like that is so him saying, look, I'm a great guy. I'm a great guy. I'm a great guy. Like I'm telling That's you. That's what Janet. he did. And you know what's most telling? That writer from one of his shows who could not decide whether he was bad or good. The way that she had been programmed to believe in him, but then she kept going, well, maybe he was terrible. Well, I don't know if he was terrible. Maybe I'm just, you know, conditioned. That is it in a nutshell. That is what happens to women in these industries with these predators, where you don't even know what's right anymore because society tells you that they're great and you're supposed to cater to them. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, the irony of all of this uh, for me, I mean, and, and it's, I suppose, a relatively minor thing, ultimately, but is that Buffy the Vampire Slayer was uh, the first show that I watched where I really felt like the female lead was empowered and this was a show that, I mean, this was a strong woman who was kicking butt and taking names. And I mean, I guess the closest I had seen, you know, before was sort of Charlie's Angels, but they were, I mean, even though they were three little girls who went to the police academy, they all still looked like models. I mean, well, Buffy looked like a model too, but she was fighting a lot harder and, uh, you know, you didn't see the angels. They were solving crimes and whatnot, but, you know, they, they, they weren't, I mean, they had Charlie they were working for, and there was Bosley, and, you know, they, Buffy was just a more empowered character. And so well, you for, have to, Yes. No, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 you were going to say you have to, what? Well, you have to understand that a person can be a great artist and a horrific person. And yeah. that's what I think people don't understand. You can like someone's work and they can still be a horrific person. And I think that it was harder to see who Whedon is at, at the Buffy level because that's like at the beginning before he rose to such huge prominence that all of who he is started to come out. He felt like he should hide a large portion of his horribleness when he was doing Buffy, even though little little snippets of it always, you know, kind of leaked out into the work, right? But mm-hmm. he was still holding the door for his staff. He was still, you know, taking the door that the, his staff was holding for him and holding it for them instead. There came a point where he stopped doing that. Mm. So, so over time, we got to see more of who he is, and he started hiding less. And so one thing that people really need to understand is that just because you like their work, their music, their art, their, their, their shows, doesn't mean they're a good person. Mm-hmm. It yep. just means they're a good artist. We've we've talked about it already today about like the odd relationship Americans have with the truth and history, but that's part of it too, man. We don't have royalty. We, you know, that's why we created this country. Yada yada yada. Something else, <laughs> something that'll make you want to wave the flag. Like yeah. we don't have royalty, but boy, do we put rich white people up on a pedestal, and boy, do we put celebrities up on a pedestal, and we and we idolize them and we we we, cre- we create this like we deify them to make them perfect yeah and he's a perfect example he wrote a thing that i like i like captain america and i like the movie that he had captain america in so therefore he's good and he's great and he's wonderful and it's it's just sad it really is agreed and i mean i lost i lost a couple of facebook friends over joss whedon they, they know him personally and they've worked with him professionally and you know, I posted something. I posted uh, Charisma Carpenter's comments about him, and this one friend went completely ballistic on me, uh, absolutely and psychotically savage. And um, so I 
wound up losing two friends over it. And mm. I don't regret that to this day. I think that um, if you are a knee-jerk defender of Joss Whedon without being willing to at least discuss it, then you're probably pretty much canceled out of reality as it is. Mm -hmm. So, You know, the you were telling me about this, and the interesting yeah. thing, this was a woman who jumped all over you. Yeah. You know, I mean, and the extent to which women... And she's a, she's a very liberal Democrat, too. Yeah, well, the extent to which women defend the patriarchy, uh, I mean, and <laughs> I don't even want to start with the psychology of that, because oh, sadly, we're out of time for this episode. <laughs> Next time. Uh, you know, <laughs> hey, but I want to thank my panelists and you, too, for tuning in. Of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show, and you should check your local listings, uh, see when it comes on in your area. It is still playing out there somewhere. Or you can visit the website at fantasticforum.tv. We've got complete episodes of the television show, the radio show. We've got segments of the television show and the radio show broken out for your convenience. And, of course, the show re-airs right here on WERA each and every Thursday afternoon from 3 to 4. If you miss any portion of it, don't tune in the following week. But the week after that, you're going to have the rebroadcast of the Saturday show. And, uh, of course... Thanks to our friends at the Great Geek Refuge, Mike Lunsford. The show is also available as a podcast on all those platforms where your favorite podcast can be found. So check us out. And, of course, be sure to come back again next week. Same bat time, same bat station. And have a safe and pleasant rest of the weekend, people.